I want to thank uh, Pastor Nate last week for kicking off this series or calling up a room. And I love what he said, come as you are, but don't leave as you came. What a statement. Doesn't that just kind of pull the whole gospel message into the nutshell? You know, so many times we get caught up with the idea, and people get caught up. I talk to people all the time that think that somehow they got to clean themselves up first before they can approach God. That's not the reason Jesus came. That's not the reason he did the sacrifice. He desires for us to come to him, and then we, we can walk away changed and transformed from that encounter. You also remember I spoke two weeks ago on the idea of purity, and talked about how the purity of intention draws God's attention. There's just something about when we approach him with a purity of heart. And so as I thought about those two things, because next week is Pentecost Sunday, and we're kind of building up and ramping up towards that, and I begin to think about that whole idea and, and how that we're preparing for that and how that we had discussed it. Basically, both of us separately was talking about, you know, there's a process, there's an emptying that needs to take place for us to prepare ourselves for an outpouring of his spirit. And as I begin to think about that, the strangest thing came to my mind. Coffee. <laughs> what does coffee have to do with the day of Pentecost? Well, actually a pretty good bit. But not from the idea that we're going to put extra coffee out. Although we did get three more pots put out there, so we'd have plenty. But, you know, if we could get everybody jazzed up, maybe we'd have a little more lively worship. But that's not why I'm talking about coffee this morning. Because one of the things that I thought of for many of you, if you're like me, the day really doesn't start until you have coffee. How many of you are in that boat? All right. I mean, it is so prevalent that you see mugs that depict this. Mugs that say things like coffee before talkie. <laughs> My favorite one I saw said this, I love you more than coffee, just not always before. <laughs> so what does it have to do with Pentecost? Well, first of all, I think we should always try to prepare ourselves for the presence of God, but not just special days. Yes, special days are a great time to ramp up, and, and it gives us something to look towards, something to put on the calendar and say, we're pushing for a special day this day, and those things are important. But what if the church actually got the place where we prepared every Sunday like we were expecting a move of God? And second, we talked about how that over the last two sermons really dealt a lot with being prepared and, and being pure and the idea of, of that that should always be of a high of importance. But back to the whole coffee thing, let me lay something out there for you. Try pouring your next cup of coffee from a pot filled with something else. Let that sink in for a moment. Try pouring your next cup of coffee from a pot that is filled with something else. See, the truth is, a pot only pours what is stored. You know, it may be a beautiful coffee pot. You may have an ornate, fancy, 
set that you just, I mean, it's this cool looking, really decorative pot and you can use it to pour coffee. Or you may be one of those that has one of the high tech coffee machines that has all kinds of lights and buttons and motors and things and every gadget you can think of on it. I mean, I've seen some of the ninja sets and some of the stuff that have this, all this elaborate stuff and there's stuff that you can go up commercial from there and all these things. And those are cool too. I love gadgets. I love being able to sit mine up the night before and know when I get up, it's going to be ready for me. But if it's not storing coffee, it's not pouring coffee. So, see, we, we, we live in this world. It's kind of like a coffee pot. And it's filled with its own everyday blend of bins and scenes and, and done that's and all the stuff that we face in life as we go through life. You know, no matter how prepped we are, no matter what we do, it's almost like a picture. I mean, you know that there's just stuff that drips into our life all day long as we go through life. And it's not always clean stuff. It's not always good stuff. And somewhere along the way in our day, the things that we're drinking from can get a little stale a little old. And sometimes it just needs to be poured out and started over. Because the pot from which you drink determines how you think. See, we must be clean and empty to be properly filled in the first place. Because I said, a pot only pours what it stores. So, the truth is, we all should desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That should be our desire. But, but the thing I find many times when I talk about this idea of being filled with the Spirit is, is people, I mean, what do you think of when that is said? Because some people have wrong thoughts of what that is. <laughs> some people picture that as some out-of-control, emotional free-for-all. Now, yes, sometimes there's expressions of the Spirit. And so when you talk about those things, when you say, sometimes I don't even like to use the word Pentecost because some people, they get this image in their minds of something that we're not talking about. You see, yes, we, for those of us that are filled with the Spirit, yes, we're a little more exuberant in our worship. Yes, we are a little more excitable, and I understand that. But we're not talking about emotional free-for-all. We're talking about being filled with the Spirit of a holy God. But there is some emotion involved. But I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about something way more important than that. Matter of fact, it was so important that Jesus told his disciples after he rose from the dead, when he was getting ready to leave, he said, Go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive what, I, what the Father has promised. Amen. And I think it's when Jesus says that something is important enough to wait for, maybe we ought to pay attention to it. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says this. Jesus himself was speaking here, and he says, while, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, Jesus knew that his followers would need this empowerment. And you know what? They needed it. Guess what hasn't changed? We need it too. 
Because we do. We, we struggle sometimes. You know, we do live in life where the world is just dripping stuff on us all the time. We face things all the time. There's stuff that comes into our lives that we have. And we need that power to overcome. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We're not, we're not talking about being filled. With, no, I'll get to that later. <clears throat> but Jesus knew that. And he knew that what was coming was what had been reserved for some special occasions that in the Old Testament there was a special few that, that the, the scriptures would tell us and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they did miraculous things. But I also know that you and I need that same spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in you. That same spirit that allowed a teenage boy to take down a giant can dwell in you. That same spirit that allowed a man that was out and when a lion jumped and attacked him and be able to rip it apart with his bare hands can dwell in you. That same spirit that on another occasion shut the lion's mouth when they were thrown into a lion's den can dwell in you. So why would we say, no thank you God. I don't want that. See, what Jesus was saying is, I'm sending this. It's not going to be for a select few anymore, but he desires to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And that's what we celebrate on the day of Pentecost. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the fact that Jesus said, I want you to go, I want you, but you know, here's your instructions. You're going to win the world, and I want you to go do that, but first wait and be filled. So we've talked about the last few weeks being empty. We've talked about being prepared to be filled. And most of us, I really think if we were to take a poll this morning, most of you would say, I want an outpouring of God in my life. I'm going to put you on the spot. How many say that? I want an outpouring of God in my life. All right. Well, I'm going to shift what I was saying earlier. You can only pour what you store. We say we want this outpouring in our life, but if we're not preparing ourselves, if we're not storing up, if we're not approaching God in a right fashion, then how do we even have room in our life for him to pour anything in there? If your pot's already full of junk, how are you going to get what he pours out to stay? But if we're honest, we're not the best at emptying ourselves so we can be filled. If we're honest, we're certainly not good at waiting. Let there be more than two people in the line at Walmart and you're, why they got more checkers open? <laughs> but you know what? We're not good at waiting, but let alone preparing ourselves to be filled. What we see in the early church is they were waiting and they were preparing. And I think we've lost that somewhere along the line. The great thing is they did wait. In fact, we have a pretty good indication that they were waiting and preparing to be filled. <clears throat> Acts 2.1, very familiar with it. As I was preparing for, 
for the day of Pentecost, I begin to look, and I just got stuck on the first part of this, where it says this in Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Think about that. Several English translations says they were all together in one place, and that's not wrong. That's accurate, but, but sometimes we take that word together, and we don't use it quite like that. I mean, there's something about that word where it says they were in one accord. I'll give you an example. Uh, you, you can be all together in one place and not be in one accord. You ever go to a Texas OU game? There's a whole lot of people in one place, but they're not in one accord. Anything that happens, half of the stadium's cheering, the other half of the stadium's booing. Ever been to a business meeting at a church right before a church split? People in one place, but they're not in one accord. So what does it mean to be in one accord? The word accord means consensus. It means agreement. It means harmony. It means unity. And think about this. On the day of Pentecost, it was the day that the church was born. It was one of the greatest days in church history. And it says the disciples and Jesus were together in one accord in one place. Not Jesus, but the disciples of Jesus. He was already in heaven. But throughout Scripture, we see the Lord calling us to be in accord with one another as His church. We know this, but too often we have our own ideas about things and what that actually means. But let me tell you something. It doesn't mean that we have to agree on every single issue. It doesn't mean that we all have to be mindless robots. Let me give you an example. Imagine how boring worship would have been had each singer sang the same note every time, if each musician played the same note every time, we would walk away saying, boy, that was boring worship. But there's something about when, when every one of us is able to express themselves and able to do what they do with differing notes in different ways, but yet it's done in a way that it all comes together with a harmony. When that happens, worship breaks out. In the same way, I think we need to see ourselves that way. We're talking about being in one accord. We're talking about being, in a sense, a chorus. We have different mindsets. We have different approaches to things. We have different ways of thinking. We have different backgrounds. But when we all come together and we unify under the power of the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden we become this concert that can begin to change the world around us. See, the original Greek word used here means with one mind in agreement with one desire. Matter of fact, the original Greek word is pronounced homothumadon. Try that again, homothumadon. There you go. It's a compound word of two Greek words that literally means rush along and in unison. Let that sink in for long. In other words, moving in harmony with a harmony of one purpose. In this case, a higher purpose. 
See, it's almost like this musical idea that we talk about of a number of different notes being sounded. And while they're different, they harmonize in pitch and tone. They come together. And as instruments of this great concert under the direction of the Holy Spirit that blends together with the members of the church and lives and things we come and he is glorified by all of it together. It all comes together. We have people that have different backgrounds, different likes and things, but it can be a beautiful, harmonious song if we will allow him to orchestrate us. See, the same way God knits the church together with a variety of colors, a variety of flavors and strength and weaknesses and visions and gifts and preferences and callings, and he, and he brings them all together. And If we allow him, he can bring them all together in one mind, in one accord, with one passion, and it can be a glorious harmony of purpose that can change the world around us and reach our community. See, when the harmonies are tight, worship breaks out. But when there's discord, have you ever seen something when all of a sudden something gets really off in worship? All of a sudden people go from this to... Right? But there's... But the, the truth is, all of this is the song that the world needs to hear. Because Jesus knew you can't pour what you don't store. Too often we think of being filled as something, and this, this, we're, we're all guilty of this, but too often we think of being filled as something we get and we get to keep. Lord, fill me. I want to dance. I want the goosebumps. I want you to do this and do that for me. But how often do we stop and think of the whole idea of being filled so that you can pour out somewhere else? That's what Jesus was telling them. Here's your instructions. Here's what I want you to do. Wait until you're filled, and then you'll be able to go do what I've called you to do. See, the purpose we too often neglect is pouring out what we receive. That's why Jesus told them to wait. What's incredible is they did more than just wait for it. We must do that. I mean, you know, what do we do so many times we picture waiting as? And if it takes longer than 30 seconds, we start looking at our watch. We think of waiting as inactivity. But I'm telling you, the kind of waiting we're talking about here is the activity of preparing yourself. It's the activity of cleansing yourself out and preparing to be filled. And that is not a quick process. The Greek word homothumadon is used 12 times in the New Testament as I begin to look a little deeper. And here's the interesting thing. Ten of those times was in the book of Acts. I find that interesting that 10 times that term was used as the early church was getting started. As they were going about and trying to transform the world around them. So I want us to look a little deeper at that idea as we prepare because next week is a powerful Sunday. I want us to look a little deeper at this idea of one accord in the early church and how, they, how that worked in their lives. Because I believe that they understood that one accord brings harmony to the church. But if we go around operating in our own accord, it's going to bring discord. 
Let's look at this, Acts 1.14. Remember, this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is during that wait time. And it says this, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. See what happened here? Jesus said to go and wait. And they devoted themselves to that, but they devoted themselves to prayer. You notice it says the word in one accord. That same root word is there. See, there is something about coming together in harmonious prayer. There is something about when we take that that idea of unity, we take that idea of direction, we say, you know what, not only, Lord, are we saying that we want this, we're willing to come together and pray over it. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's interesting to me that just a few months back, a small group of us, and it's open to anybody, but we've just, Kim and I just said, you know, we're going to start getting here at 645 on Sunday mornings, and we're going to pray over the service before a worship team or anybody else gets here, and there's a good group, about six to eight on a very consistent basis that are coming and doing that, and to me, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden, the, the Spirit's presence in the services has elevated a little bit that that we've seen growth over this period of time there is something about when we prepare ourselves and we come together in that prayer harmony in one accord but how often how often do we hear questions like why does doesn't god move like that back in the day today i think there's a pretty good reason we're not good at waiting and we're not good at preparing anymore and we're not good in praying about it We want everything instantly. We want everything fast. And so what do we do? We don't see it because we don't wait. We don't call for it. We don't ask for it. We don't put effort into seeking God for a move of God. And so what do we do? We turn around and say, well, it just must not be for today anymore. Last week, Pastor Nate talked about in the early 1900s when the church returned to the idea of holiness. And they actually said, you know what? It's not just all about the grace. There's a standard that God still has. And people turn to holiness and they begin to empty themselves, they begin to prepare themselves, then it opened the door for a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. And it spread to many that spread to many churches across the nation. So next week we're celebrating. You know, Pentecost Sunday. And yes, God poured out his spirit on that day in an incredible fashion. And next week I'll talk about the roots of Pentecost and and all that stuff. But in 1906, on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California, there was a revival that broke out that eventually led to the formation of the Assemblies of God and several other full gospel denominations. And it started the same thing that he was talking about. It started on the hills of a return to holiness. And what what happened here, and this is the short version, but the, the people that heard about the revival in Wales that had started in 1904, and people that were here like, we're we're hungry for some of that. And so they began to, to think, you know, they begin to pray and begin to ask. There's people that begin to say, you know, we'd love to see a move of God like that. And so a letter was put together that was written to some of the leaders of that revival in Wales saying, what do we do? How do we prepare for that? How do we get ourselves in position for the same thing that happened there to happen here? 
And the letter they got back in short said this. Congregate the people who are willing to make a total surrender. Pray and wait. Believe God's promises. Sounds to me like he's talking about waiting together and preparing in one accord. You see the theme here? Right on the heels of that, God began to move. One pastor, Joseph Smale, some of these names are just funny. But he was determined to follow the advice of this letter And the interesting thing is he started trying to steer his church that way and he got opposition from the board and he ended up resigning because the church wouldn't follow in that direction. It was going to take some effort. They were going to have to pursue God. They were going to have to ramp some things up. And so they just, he got pushed back from this idea of actually pressing in and praying for a move of God. But he wasn't the only one. somebody starts saying hey we need to pray for a move of God we need to get our lives cleaned up we need to do this 